good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care. And good morning to you. My name is Kathy Kayla, and it really is lovely to be back. Uh, been off for a few weeks, and uh, yeah, I had my own health issues, but hopefully getting on top of them finally. Let me just uh, just say it really, really does feel wonderful to be back. And when we are feeling well and we're feeling healthy, there's no feeling in the world to beat that. I suppose part of it is uh, being proactive and preventing illness rather than always being reactive. So uh, I thought we should talk today about an organ in our body that we use all the time. We, uh, we're accused of, uh, using it perhaps too often, perhaps, uh, yeah, I suppose it, it can be forked, <laughs> right? <laughs> we have two ears. And one tongue so that we would listen more and talk less. That's from Diogenes. And um, I th- today we're talking about the tongue. And I've invited uh, ENT specialist in private practice, Dr. Dean Gerson, into studio. And we're going to be talking about your tongue. So go and get a mirror and go and have a look at your tongue because we're going to be talking about your tongue and what it can indicate. It can indicate all kinds of issues. Uh, what does a healthy tongue look like? What to do if you've got white bumps on your tongue, if you don't have bumps on your tongue, if you've got white patches, if it's uh, perhaps a little hairy, if it's, uh, you know, I've seen something called a black tongue when I was doing research for this. I've never seen that, but it must be quite a quite a scary thing. Also, we're going to be talking about, you know, pronunciation, a lisp, if somebody has a, a lisp. I think that that's incredibly cruel, by the way. What that lisp has an S in it? Yes, it's very cruel. I think it's I think it's terrible. Sorry, Kathy, I've got a lisp. <laughs> it should just be a lisp, right? Yeah, or maybe with, with no th- S in it. <laughs> exactly with the th. Yeah. Anyway, welcome okay, back. Thank you. Thank it's you. It's lovely thank to you have you here. I love you. talking to you. Thank you. I love being here. So, thank uh, you for having me. Talking about the tongue. Okay, so how common are problems with tongues? Very common. So, um, as an ENT, people often say to you, "Well, how does tongue fit into ENT?" Because ear, nose, and throat, but they don't realize Well, it's a that. triangle, isn't it? Yeah, well, they don't realize that the mouth is, you know, um, predominantly part of um, ENT. And as part of um, ENT training, you do the mouth. And as another discipline called head and neck surgery, which is part of ENT training, and that is cancers or problems with the head and neck. So um involves all the um, oral organs, the oropharynx, the pharynx, and the neck glands in the neck, salivary glands, and thyroid and voice box. So that all fits into the discipline. So yes, get a lot of uh, referrals for people with tongue problems. And it's also a discipline shared by maxillofacial surgeons, dentists, and you get people who specialize in something called oral medicine as well who deal with the tongue. Okay, so I'm speaking to Dr. Dean Gerson. If you've got any questions, if you want to uh, send any messages through, this is how you communicate with us. You can send us a telegram on 061-895-1019. That's 061-895-1019. You can also uh, send us an SMS. On three four five one nine. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Discam Medical Monday. We're talking about tongues. Dean, 
where does the tongue end when it goes okay. down your throat? Okay, so we the tongue actually is embryologically, so when the baby is being uh, formed as an embryo, it comes in two separate parts. The anterior or the front two-thirds of the tongue comes from one part of the embryo, and the posterior third comes from another part of the... That's interesting. Yeah, so it's got different embryological origins, and the posterior third of the tongue is actually the one that's anchored to the back of your mouth, okay? And you'll see that if you look in the mirror and you look at your tongue, it's actually got a different surface and lining. You can almost see a border between the posterior tongue, which has these um, bumps on it. Bigger bumps. No, not taste buds. There's different types of taste buds, but it also has tonsils and you might think oh those tonsils are those big things at the back of your mouth but your body has a few types of tonsils they've got the palatine tonsils which are the two ones the two tonsils on each side of your pharynx and those are the two bumps that often people have removed then you have your lingual tonsils lingual refers to tongue any time you say lingual something it refers to tongue you have lingual tonsils which are tonsils that are in the base of your tongue so i don't know if you've ever felt people sometimes yourself when you have cold or flu you often get pain in the or swelling at the right at the back of your tongue. And there's also the adenoids, which are part of the um, tonsil system. It's a... Um, it's a kind of in your nose, aren't they? So the adenoids are the tonsils of the nose, simply put. And they lymphoid tissue. Lymph- what is lymphoid tissue? Those, that's tissue that has white blood cells and immune cells in them that any allergens or antigens that come in through your nose or through your mouth are directly taken to your adenoids or your tonsils. And they enlarge when they are fighting against disease or fighting against these antigens. And it's um, a part of a system uh, called Waldeyer's ring. Waldeyer's ring is a ring of lymphoid tissue. That's your lingual tonsils. So those are tonsils on your tongue, your palatine tonsils, your tonsils on the side of your throat, your tubal tonsils, which are tonsils um, or lymphoid tissue on the inside of your eustachian tube. And we'll go into what is a eustachian tube just now. And then your adenoids. Now, um, the eustachian tube is the tube that joins from your ears to the back of your nose, and it's responsible for draining fluid from your ears and equalizing pressure. So uh, when you get flu, your ears yeah, get blocked. your ears get blocked, and that's because the tubal tonsils or the lymphoid tissue that's in your ears um, swells up just like your tonsils do in your throat and in your tongue and your adenoids, and that's why you get that whole area kind of congestion of your ears and your nose. And your throat. What an incredible system. Yeah, it's like almost a, a big filter f- um, for anything that's entering your airway because that's often the pathway of entry for germs is through your nose or through your mouth. Yeah. So they get uh, taken to your tonsils or the Waldeyer's ring, which is a ring of uh, lymphoid tissue. And that's where the primary infection fighting um, happens. So is. Firstly, is there another organ in the body that comes from two different embryonic sources? So, yeah. So, there's three layers in the embryo. The ectoderm, which is the outer lining, the mesoderm, which is the middle lining, and the endoderm. And most organs are made from all three layers. But the tongue is very unique that um, it's made from uh, two different parts. It's also made from two different sides. So, the tongue is, has a left and a right, and then they fuse in the middle. So the tongue actually is probably forked, you could say, in the beginning. And that's why the whole face is made from a left and a right and fused in the middle. And that's when there's a failure or a problem with fusion. You know, you get a cleft lift and a cleft palate, which is yes. another whole show on its on its own. Um, I haven't heard, seen something called a cleft tongue, but there are some hipsters or people who like getting their tongue uh, oh, no. forked. Have you seen those things? Yes, yeah, they get, yeah. You can, because it's from two separate parts, it's very, very safe. If you had to cut straight through oh, down the middle painful. of the tongue. Extremely painful. There's no... 
nerves or blood vessel right in the midline of your tongue because that's where it's where they fuse. So people who get piercings in their tongues or have these things, it's right through the middle of the tongue. You're pretty safe. And if there are there are certain oh, diseases no. that happen right in the base of the tongue, that I told you that posterior third. And the way to get to them is you split the you split the tongue and you can just sew it back um, together. Yeah, because you know. In the mouth, generally, though, any any injury sores, like mm. if you think of like if you've bitten your tongue, yes. you know it it heals quickly. So the mouth's got a very very good blood supply. It's a very dirty place. Your mouth is probably the dirtiest place in your body. It's full of bacteria, and that's, that's about why, our language. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just <laughs> phys- physically and uh, emotionally, I guess. What happens often with um, boxes and human bites? Someone boxes you in the teeth, and your teeth cut their hand. Or someone gets assaulted, they have a human bite. Those bites are terrible, worse than dog bites um, from an infection point of view. I just remember working, when I used to work in the trauma unit as an intern and a community service doctor, the human bites that you would get, you know, you put them onto antibiotics straight away off and get terrible, terrible sepsis from from that. So the mouth is well vascularized. Um, It's got a lot of, um, besides the saliva in it, that's got um, antibodies in it to fight infection. Then you've got your tonsils. You know, it's um, the port of entry to your body for a lot of of things, and um, especially germs. And that's why it heals so well. It's got a very, very good blood supply. You've got blood supply off the external carotid artery into your tongue and um, into the rest of your mouth, and that's why it bleeds so much. You know, people, have you ever seen a child or someone cut their lip, or even when you have a tooth extraction, or you cut um, your tongue, it pours and it pours, but the benefit of that pouring is that... Um, it's actually it, cleaning. It cleans and it heals. It heals very, very fast, yeah, even overnight. So back to your original question yes. of the the, the, two the, the the two different parts of your tongue. So the, the anterior two-thirds of your tongue is mobile. The posterior third of your tongue is actually fixed, Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. that would make sense. You yeah. can move. You can move the front of your the tongue. The front of your tongue. You can't move the, the back, back of your tongue. tongue. Yeah, and you know, Aside from swallowing. And you can't, yeah, and you can't swallow your tongue. That's like, remember, another thing people say, you can swallow your tongue or choke on your tongue. Where does that come from? Um, I think what happens is when you, when a person falls asleep or is unconscious, they lose control of their airway. So it collapses. So the tongue can fall and collapse your airway, but you can't actually swallow it. So when you put them into a recovery position or on their side or lying on their tummy there, Tongue falls forward, so it opens the airway, but you can't physically swallow your tongue. It's, anch- it's anchored there. And another very, very interesting thing is that um, you've heard of something called your thyroid, your thyroid gland. Yes. That thyroid in the embryo starts in the posterior third of the tongue as well. So the thyroid starts in the tongue. That's where it's born. And it moves down slowly into the neck. And because of that, because of that um, position, that you can often get um, diseases in the neck um, you can people have something called a lingual thyroid. You can have a piece of thyroid that gets stuck in the back of your tongue, a big bump in your tongue, and it's part of the thyroid gland. It might be the only thyroid gland, and then that whole tract that goes down to the thyroid, the thyroid can sometimes not. Um, usually, when the thyroid moves, it it goes down a pathway, and that pathway obliterates behind it. Sometimes it's left open, and people can get infections along that tract. Something else we deal with is called a thyroglossal duct cyst. How common is that? Um, more common than you'd think. I probably see a two or three a, a year, and it presents as usually a midline mass, so like a, a cystic mass in the middle of the neck. And would you be able to feel it? Yeah, yeah, you can feel it, and it moves with the tongue. If you stick out your tongue, um, because of that junction, when you stick out your tongue, you'll see it moves up. Anything in the neck, any neck mass that is connected to the tongue 
will move when you stick your tongue out. Yeah. So because of, of that connection. Okay. I'm Kathy Kayla. This is the Discam Medical Monday. You're on 101.9 High FM. And I do apologize for my voice. At least I have a voice. I haven't had one for about three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> My guest is Dr. Dean Gerson. He's who she an didn't ENT. come, who she didn't come and see. <laughs> no, I was in bed. Um, he's an ENT in private practice. If we're talking about the tongue, we're talking about your tongue. Go and look at your tongue. If you've had any issues with your tongue, uh, perhaps you have an issue that you don't even know is an issue. And I think that that's quite important to talk about. We're going to be talking about you know, if your tongue is bright red or if it has white patches on it or if it has a white coating on it. I want to talk about babies' tongues as well, um, especially for nursing mothers and things like thrush and things that are quite common in the mouth and can be influenced by the foods that we eat, uh, by medications that we're taking. So we're going to be talking about all that good stuff. You know, go little <laughs> I'm Kathy Kayla, we'll be right back This is Medical Monday Brought to you with compliments of Discam Pharmacists who care I'm Kathy Kayla Thank you so much for joining me And thank you so much to Discam for being pharmacists who care My guest today is Dr. Dean Gerson He's an ENT in private practice And we're talking about the tongue Take your tongue, stick it out Go and have a look at your tongue you know, it's something that I suppose unless we're brushing our teeth, we don't really pay much attention to. Or unless uh, perhaps you've eaten some pineapple and it's given you that funny feeling. It almost feels like you've got a pimple on your tongue when you eat pineapple. It becomes very, very sensitive. What is that? So, so, so Why does that happen? Yeah, so different people have different reactions to um, certain chemicals. Some people it happens with spicy foods. Some people it happens with um, acidic acidic foods. And um, we've got many different nerve, sense, nerve sensors in your tongue. You can feel touch. You can feel taste. And remember, we've got a special taste, sweet, salty, sour, and bitter. And the bitter is concentrated m- more to the back. Have you heard of something called umami? Yes, umami is the fifth, the fifth taste, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's something that not many people know about. It's I'll a savory to taste. It. Yeah, it's like a savory taste. And you know it sponsors, not sponsors, you know it stimulates that umami taste bud. What? MSG, you've heard of MSG? Oh, soya sauce. So MSG, yeah. <laughs> so MSG has monosodium glutamate, which is like a, actually has like a, a neurotransmitter in it. And people put MSG, when I was a child, everything like had MSG in it because it gave it such an amazing taste. And it does. If you eat something with MSG, it's really like an addictive taste. And what they didn't know was that MSG was um, stimulating that umami um, taste receptor. So... It's an amazing thing that when you have um, things with MSG, they just taste like amazing because you're simulating a nerve that nothing else, uh, well, very few things stimulate. I know. They do taste amazing. Yeah. And now, <laughs> but now everything says MSG-free <laughs> in it. So are we just going to throw out the umami? I don't know. Probably. I think there are other foods that... Where's that umami located in our mouth? Because I so, think the front is the so front is bitter. So front is sweet, but oh. it's right at the back, and I th- salty on the sides. sides and sour also. Salty and yeah. sour. Yeah, um, but it's just or you have them all over your mouth, but it's just the concentration is different in different um, areas. different areas of your mouth. So besides, so a very interesting thing that part of your tongue that the actual sensation, so the the touch of your tongue, so like you can feel if you bite your tongue or how it feels in your mouth. Or if you um, put something on your tongue, it has a different nerve to the taste. 
The taste um, and special sensation of your tongue is a special nerve called the called the tympani, and it actually runs through your ear. Tympani, it's like the tympanic. Yeah, 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 it runs through your tympanic memory. Very interesting. Um, that ear problems and ear surgery, if that nerve is damaged, you can lose um, taste um, in the side of your mouth. You'll be still have the, the touch or sensation, but you'll lose taste in that side of, terrible. of your tongue. And also, um, if you have, have you ever heard of something called a, a Bell's palsy or Ramsey Hunt syndrome? Yes, I've heard of Bell's palsy. Yeah, so when you get paralysis on the side of your face, because it, affect, it affects the nerves, the cranial nerves in your ear, often lose um, taste sensation on that uh, side of your tongue but you'll have normal touch so you'll be able to like feel the sensation of, of touch on your tongue but you'll be missing the taste because they come from two different nerves so interesting could you know if somebody loses um sense of taste yes and it's not because they've got flu yeah. and the nose is blocked or not on a medication that has had an impact mm. um what I mean, could that be an indication of something? So yeah, so if you, you just lose taste. Yeah, so you most so you need to smell to be able to taste. So most of the time, it's coming from a problem with your ability to smell. And if you can cure the ability to smell, um, or you can fix the ability to smell, which is like a whole different uh, discussion on its own, then you'll be able to get your taste back. But then, if the person does lose ability to taste, you can follow that specific nerve from the tongue through the ear back to the brain with either an MRI or other um, various uh, neurological studies and you can see what's um, going on with that nerve and you can also stimulate that nerve and see if it's uh, if it's working or not. Christos says uh, his tongue talks too much. Yeah, yeah. it's a problem. Unfortunately, <laughs> I can't, unfortunately, I can't fix that. Are you um, sure? Yeah, well, I can cut it off. But uh, If you want to get in touch, this is how you do it. You can send us a telegram. Zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. That's how you get in touch with me this morning. You can also send an SMS on three four five one nine from anywhere in the world. You can get in touch. Send an email on air at highfm.com. My name's Kathy Kayla. My guest is Dr. Dean Gerson. He's an ENT in private practice. We're talking about the tongue, and uh, can we start with? Um, with baby's tongue. Yes, yeah, so that's the first time that um, usually I, I encounter patients with tongue problems is when they are born, and um, and that is with something called a tongue tie. So what is a tongue tie? It's something that I'm very passionate about. I had one, my sister had one, all my kids had one. So you can see it's something that's usually genetic, more common in boys as well. And a tongue tie is a membrane that's under the tongue, usually in the midline, and it anchors the tongue down in the mouth. So enable to have it for the child to have a good suck the tongue needs to go underneath the nipple right against the areola make a tight seal and to be able to pull that nipple into the mouth to be able to extract milk from from the breast now if that tongue um is tied that's why or anchored back by um, a membrane then the child can't feed properly and it slips with every suck and that's like sandpaper on the mom's breast and then they try to compensate by biting. So it's very unpleasant for the mom. Usually they'll get discharged home. They'll call a lactation consultant at home to see why it's so painful. And then they'll end up at at my rooms with a tongue tie with uh, cracked or bleeding nipples and uh, inability to feed. Sometimes the baby can even be dehydrated. They have to top up with, with formula. 
So how does a tongue tie form? So everybody will have a tongue tie at some stage, but as I told you that the tongue forms from two different sides, they fuse in the midline, right. and it's also um, fused to the bottom of the mouth. Now the, the anterior or the front two-thirds of the tongue is meant to be mobile, and underneath the membrane that's anchoring it to the floor of the mouth dissolves through a process called apoptosis, which is a fancy word for cell death. And as in some people, that membrane doesn't dissolve properly or die properly. So they're born with the membrane, and that membrane anchors the tongue down to the floor of the mouth. If diagnosed um, early, simple, simple thing to cut in um, first few years of first few days. That's the best time. I did with my with my first daughter, my first child. I was too scared to cut, so I left until she was like five. My second one, I did on day two, and the third one, as soon as he was born, I asked the gynae for the scissors and I cut. I was cut done. in theatre, yeah. So his first latch was done without a tongue tie because it can cause massive breastfeeding problems. So your tongue is anchored to the floor. Of, the tongue is anchored to the floor of the mouth, and they can't get much um, movement to I go mean, out. Well, well, right. So if you imagine that you can't move your tongue, they can't put the tongue so past the bottom gums. They can't. You know, we all should be able to protrude our tongue past our bottom gums and lips, and they can't. Um, and it almost looks like a heart-shaped tongue because it's being anchored in the middle. Yes. It's being pulled in the middle, and it looks like a heart-shaped tongue. And um, sometimes, though, the mother's breaths can compensate for this, or if they're bottle feeding, they won't notice this. And then the second time that um, they usually present is when they four, speech. five, six, yeah, when they're learning speech, they're usually picked up at school. Their SSTHs, Rs and Ls, um, are affected, and then that you can um, then you have to take them to theatre and fix those um, surgically but as a newborn it's an in-rooms procedure you spray under tongue some local anesthetic it's a little snip there's a tiny bit of blood and it, if it is a very bad tongue tie then it can you know change the mom's life and the baby's life immediately such a small thing that has it's very um, reward- rewarding because it's such a small thing and if picked up and cut early enough then the baby changes their feeding. But will the doctors in theatre pick that up? So yes and no. It depends. It's something that's often not taught, and there's a lot of um, controversy towards it. A lot of people who aren't involved um, in um, lactation and breastfeeding, you might say every pediatrician is, but um, you'd be wrong. A lot of them are kind of oblivious to it. The best people to pick it up, um, are lactation consultants who are usually nurses or speech therapists who've done a course or, um, or a further degree in um, breastfeeding. They usually want to pick it up. You would be surprised how many of them are missed. Usually what happens is usually they should. In theory, they should be picked up, and they're four grades. I mean, when, when babies are born and they do yeah, the yeah, APGAR yeah. tests and yeah, all yeah, of that, I mean, that should be a pediatrician examines them thoroughly, but it's often a thing that's completely missed, or if it is, the pediatrician or person assessing them will be uh, might um, not be so knowledgeable about it because um, they or they say don't worry the mom will compensate or it'll stretch um, and the mothers then go back and they feed and they can't feed and then they go home and they phone a lactation consultant so they usually end up at me day three four. Um, most pediatricians, I say, are good at picking it up, but there are a lot of people, and even ENTs, are, in my training, you hardly, hardly ever dealt with um, tongue ties. It was something only because of the, because I had, and my sister had, and all my kids had, or something that I looked into and studied further, and did courses, and really, you know, dealt into it, um, that 
um, I see so many of them, and I have people coming to me from Pumalanga and from the Val and from, you know, to, to have the these, country. yeah, all over the country to come and have them. It's such a simple procedure, but a lot of people, I don't, I know it sounds weird, don't believe in them, or if they do have them, they say that, you know, just get over it and breastfeed. And I thought to myself, like, okay, well, I had a terrible one, and I asked my mother, did she have a problem breastfeeding with with me? I had my cut when I was 12, when I had my, when I had um, tonsils out, I think, and um, you're just kind of told to get over it. Breastfeeding's hard. And it's meant to, it's Incredible, meant to be hard, huh? but now it's, it's, there's a lot of awareness about it. <coughs> there's a lot of, um, lactation consultants and speech therapists, nurses, dietitians, people, um, who are dealing with it, who do refer to me, but you would be surprised how many are missed. You actually missed by, um, at birth. A lot of them, um, there's a lot of controversy towards this. There's something called a posterior tongue tie, which is a tongue tie that's quite far back in the mouth. And, you know, unless you're specially trained to examine and feel for it, um, it's the tie is an- the tongue is anchored, but it's really, really far back in the mouth. So it's not so far apparent. But that part of your tongue's already anchored. So yeah, why would yeah. that be a problem? So it's anchored, but anchored further forward than it should be. Oh. So if it's anchored further forward than it should be, you can. There are ways to release that also by, by cutting it. Um, but you base them on a... On an individual basis, if the child has a tongue tie and it's not causing any problems, I mean, you can you can leave it. But I basically, if it's a tiny tongue tie, sometimes it causes massive problems. It's all about the relationship of the baby's mouth to the mother's breast and nipple. And sometimes the mother's nipple is able to compensate for a very big tongue tie. Sometimes it's a tiny tongue tie, but there's no compensation for it. So you, ba- you whether they're symptomatic or not, that's when you can cut them. You can't just go around cutting every child's tongue but if there is um symptoms of uh, bleeding or cracked nipples and and um painful latching it's usually one side more than the other clicking they're not meant to click when they're feeding the clicking is when the tongue is slipping back and losing the suction very very gassy babies sometimes it can make their their reflux worse um, if a child is, you know, all children will bring up a little bit of milk, but it can make it much worse because they're swallowing a lot of there. Those are all signs of a, a tongue tie. And um, that's um, usually when they come in, sent by often by the lactation consultant and or just, nurses. And, I mean, does it just sort it out straight away? What, when you cut it? Yeah. Yeah, it's instant. That's why it's so gratifying. Um, it's instant relief if it is if it is a tongue tie and the correct diagnosis is made. Often people get sent and there's none, and you say to them, "There's no tongue tie." And uh, but uh, and often the, you know there is a problem with the, either the child's mouth or the latch or opening it or the mother's nipples are flat or inverted, something like that, and they're not able to feed and they're looking and investigating all the way out. And one of the things they need to rule out is a tongue tie. So that's usually the first time I see children with um, tongue problems. The second thing is the thrush on the tongue. So what is thrush? Thrush is... It's not just for babies. No, it's I mean, adults, can adults get, get thrush. thrush. Sure. So thrush is um, a yeast, a fungus, usually called can- candida is another, you know, the medical term, usually candida albicans. And um, it is an opportunistic infection. What does that mean? It means when you, you have normal bacteria living in your mouth, but when you have a problem with the immune system or you've been introduced to that uh, thrush and there's some open space. Someone once described it to me as a block of flats. You have the bacteria <laughs> occupying the block of flats, the good bacteria or the normal bacteria that are meant to be there. When those bacteria are knocked away, maybe by an antibiotic or low immunity, sometimes cancer patients, um, what happens is that the bad squatters come move in and that's the, the thrush. 
So how it can be from sugar as well, excess yeah, sugar. Yeah, yeah, excess sugar back because that fungus loves loves sugar. So often in diabetics, low immune system, high sugar, and uh, all ages. And you'll see this white on the tongue. So how do you tell the difference between breast milk on the tongue and the white on the tongue? That's thrush. If it wipes away, you know, if you can wipe it away, then it's probably just breast milk. But if it's on the tongue, then it's thrush. And often people only treat the baby's tongue, but the source of it is the mother's nipple. So you need to use that, dac- you, one of the, it's called Dactarin oral gel, which is the, or nystatin drops, which are the antifungal drops that you put on the baby's tongue. You need to put that on the mom's nipples as well. And often it's good for the mom to take an antifungal treatment as well, because she's often the source of it and it's going to the baby's tongue. Another important thing to prevent thrush in newborns feeding is to sterilize their bottles properly, either whatever sterilizer you have, steam or molten solution or um, microwave sterilizer, their bottles and dummies, because those um, very, very common, um, very, very commonly cause thrush. Okay. How many nerves do we have in our, in our tongues? So, I mean, if you, if I think about it, you know, if I take my finger, yeah. which has got n- nerves at the at the tip, right, and I run it along my other hand, yes, right, I can feel it, but yeah. if I take my tongue and I do the same thing, then I can feel definition that I can't feel with my finger. Mm. So your your tongue has, um, as I said, for. So you said it's got a lot of blood vessels, but it doesn't have a lot of nerves, so the, nerves the main, as well. Yeah. So there's there's two different nerves. Um, well, actually, three different nerves. So the the posterior tongue, that third that's anchored, is actually um, supplied by a different nerve to your anterior two thirds of your tongue. And your anterior two thirds of your tongue, you have a tongue for a nerve for taste. East side has its own nerve for taste and for special sensation. So I guess there's four in the anterior third of the tongue and two in the posterior third of the tongue. All right, a message coming through unsigned says, what about lip ties? Okay. So Do lip ties cause gaps in teeth? Yeah, I've so never even heard okay, of a lip tie. Okay, so lip ties is something also quite uh, controversial. Put your finger in your mouth, feel above your, feel above your, can you feel where your lip joins your gum? There's like a little line in the middle. <laughs> yes, we're just going to talk like this. We're going to talk like that, yeah. Okay, so lip ties also a product of fusion of the two sides of your um, the two sides fuse in the middle So face, everybody yeah. will have a lip tie Just to uh, Some people will be to a different extent So the controversy is whether a lip tie causes feeding problems And Sometimes it will If there's a problem with the tongue And you've sorted out the tongue tie then, um, And they're still having feeding problems If they can't form a seal with the lip If the lip is inverting So it's not everting and causing a proper seal That can um, very rarely cause problems and yes a lip not all lip ties will cause gap in the teeth but some of them will cause malrotation and gaps in the teeth if that membrane of the lip is there between the teeth usually what happens That's so interesting usually what happens with that membranous lip tie is that when the teeth grow together they do squash it and push it up but um, if it's more than two millimeters it's unlikely that it's going to close and you should see your I mean I do the cutting of the lip ties but if there is a problem in the gap within the teeth it's good to um, speak to your dentist about it when and you just see why and see if that lip tie is affecting it. Yeah. And then if it is affecting it, I don't know, some dentists will cut, others not. Otherwise, we do cut those lip ties. Also, a very simple procedure in a newborn, it's done in the rooms, in older children, it's done in theater, but it's literally a five minute procedure where you burn and, and cut that. But yes, a lip tie can cause gaps between. Teeth. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the the actual look of the tongue. Okay. What does a healthy tongue look okay, like? Okay. So the tongue, um, different people's tongues 
look different, but most of them should be a pinkish color. Is it true that our tongue is unique to us? Yeah, like apparently. A I've heard, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that, and I think it's true that each tongue is like a fingerprint. Yeah, each person's tongue is completely different. And on the tongue, there are these small little uh, projections called taste buds. And there's also little things called minor salivary glands. Your major salivary glands are in your cheeks and under your uh, floor of your mouth and in your neck. And those produce saliva, which also get minor salivary glands, which produce small amounts of mucus. Those are also in your tongue. Is that why when you eat something really sour, yeah, you, you can, can feel, feel it, it in the bottom it. of your yeah, jaw? Yeah, you can feel it. Okay. Yeah. That's your salivary glands producing extra saliva. And it should look um, it should look nice and pinkish color. You can get different variations, some white on your tongue. Some people just have that as normal. And there's a normal variation called geographic tongue. Have you heard of geographic tongue? Never. It looks like a map. It looks like almost a world map, like continents on your tongue. But that also can be a normal variation, that your taste buds are aligned in a way that it I almost see tongues with like looks cracks like in it. Continents and sea, yeah. So some people also will have cracks. Is, is that part of there's like often the, a normal variation? Like normal. That, yeah, often a normal variation that um, people have um, cracks in their tongue. Yeah, very interesting. And be a normal variation. When to worry about um, things on your tongue like that? If you have, do have cracks or tongue cracks on your tongue that are painful and non-healing, any sores or wounds on your tongue um, or ulcers on your tongue that are non-healing, those should be checked out and biopsied. What does an ulcer on the tongue look like? So it's usually uh, either a white ring or a white um, sore um, that's usually painful and sensitive. And, it, and it's a change in the because on the side of your tongue, look, you'll see it's nice and smooth and pink. Um, and there will be a breach in that or a, a change in the way it looks. And on the top of your tongue, it will look like a um, also a white deficiency, a change in the pattern of the taste, the taste bud. And any non-healing ulcer needs to be um, investigated because um, there could, God forbid, be um, a, a cancer or a deep infection. Sometimes the fun fungi or thrush um, can get uh, embedded deep in the tongue. Very common to get uh, viral ulcers, like, you know, like the same virus that causes cold sores, cold sores. Herpes. It's one of the herpes. So yeah. So there's two different herpes. There's the one and the two, and the one's a genital virus, and the other one is a um, um, one is a, gener a genital virus, and the other one is a oral virus, and that can cause many problems around for the ENT, and uh, that can be ulcers in the mouth, on the sides of the mouth, on the walls of the mouth, of the inside of the cheek, and also the tongue. All right, can we talk about uh, having hair on your tongue? Yeah, so I've never actually seen... And this, I've, I've never yeah, even heard of it. So I've, I mean, I've never actually seen, like, the the actual hair on the tongue. Yeah. I've never seen, like, proper hair, but I have seen, like, brown and black discoloration. And that can take... Um, and that can be as a result usually from the change of the normal flora in a mouth. So you will have bacteria in your mouth, the normal bacteria. Anytime there's a change in that bacteria in the environment of your mouth, and that could be from low immune system, it could be from medication that you're taking, it could be from acid reflux, you can get for sure different discoloration on your tongue. Also different um, smoking can cause uh, hyperpigmentation, meaning black or brown spots in your mouth. Have you heard of something called betel quid or betel nut? It's often chewed in beetle India. Betel nut, yes, in India, yes. Yeah, they chew those. That's, 
can cause a white or um, or a brown or black discoloration in your mouth, and actually even I think cause the teeth as well. Yeah, and can even cause cancer in in your mouth. Yeah, um, and a big big risk for cancer of the tongue, smoking and alcohol. Smoking and alcohol, they cause non-healing ulcers, and they can cause alcohol. cancer of the tongue. Yeah. See, that's what nobody tells you about alcohol. Yeah, um, alcohol and smoking can cause other two big stresses for oropharyngeal cancer. So yeah. cancers of the base of the tongue, the tonsils, and the throat. I'm Kathy Kaler. My guest is Dr. Dean Gerson. He's an ENT in private practice. And we're talking about the tongue. If you've got any questions about your tongue, perhaps you've heard something about the tongue and uh, you just want to check it out, Mythbusters. This is a myth-busting doctor. Then uh, get in touch with us. How you do that is you can send a telegram on 061-895-1019 or you can SMS on 34519. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. I'm Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest is Dr. Dean Gerson. He's an ENT, that's an ears, nose, nose and throat doctor. He's in private practice. But And uh, I've asked him to come in today. We're talking about the tongue. We're talking about the health of the tongue. What your tongue looks like can also be an indication of what else is happening in your body, in other parts of your body. Learning so much. I can't believe that we've never spoken about the tongue before because it really is. I mean, it's, uh, you know, from, uh, I mean, if you think about as kids pulling tongues, we've got relationships with our tongues. Sure, it's a very, I mean, <laughs> your tongue's responsible for your speech, for I your mean, like swallowing, exactly. for your eating, eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, from right from the right from the beginning, you can't really live without your tongue. I suppose you can, but it'd be very difficult. You can't speak and you can't eat. Yeah. Well, there goes that pl- those yeah. pleasure yeah. centers, but it really is. I mean, it's a pleasure center, right? I mean, it, it's a it's being a, able to express yourself and your taste. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even if I don't know, you want to suck a pen, right? I mean, yes. You know, that's, that's well, that, it's, it's like fiddling for your tongue. Yeah, sure. It's a, I mean, I'm for lack probably, of a better expression. Yeah, probably, probably comes goes to you know back breastfeeding and dummy and bottle feeding. It's very soothing right, and calming. It's comforting, exactly. Mm. So, um. We're talking about all the different things that can happen with your tongue, when you should be concerned, when you should be worried. One of the things that Dr. Gerson mentioned is that if you have an ulcer, a non-healing ulcer, a non-healing ulcer in your mouth, um, ulcers can also be caused by smoking and alcohol, which is interesting. You said actually not even ulcers, you said cancer. Yeah, cancer, cancer can be caused for sure. One of the biggest causes of cancer in the oropharynx or the base of the tongue. And the tongue is smoking and alcohol, also betel nut or um, betel quit, which people... Do we even have on. betel nut in this yeah, country? Yeah, people bring it in, yeah. I think like in Fordsburg or Mayfair you could probably get. Really? Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's like a little it's like like a seed, nut that you right? chew, yeah, yeah. And it's got a, a toxin in it, a very a carcinogenic toxin um, that can cause cancer of the side of the mouth and the, t- uh, the tongue, yeah. What is snuff? So snuff is, is snuff ba- similar, to similar. Snuff is just a, t- a form of tobacco that gets you don't smoke it, you sniff it into your nose. Also, it can cause cancers of the nose and sinuses. So it's just another way of getting that nicotine into your body. Instead of t- smoking or inhaling it, you're getting it through the nose. And okay, <laughs> all right. But I think that it's on its way out, right? No, it's, a lot fa- of people- it's so weird because I actually noticed on Shabbos at Shul, a lot of guys had these 
the small little tins that they were using was like this powder. And I was like, what is that? It looked like a coffee or hot chocolate. And they were using snuff. People who don't smoke on Shabbos were using snuff instead to get like a... Um, to get the fix for get, the nicotine. Yeah, yeah, to get the nicotine, to put snuff in their noses. Yeah, pretty gross. But if you put it in your nose, where does it go? So... Um, I know this is off the topic, yeah, you but sneeze, I, you sneeze it out, or it gets taken away with the mucus, but it can cause bad irritation in the nose, and also just like smoking can lead to mouth or lung cancer. So can the snuff lead to cancer of the nose or sinuses? Yeah, I also wondered where it goes, but I think that people sneeze it out or blow their noses later. I just, I just have a picture of like you know all the snuff being, in the yeah. in the in the nasal yeah, cavity. Yeah, also freaks me out a, a little bit. I mean, I remember. <laughs> I remember Not a lot the first time. I, the first year, so that's a big thing. The first time I got introduced <laughs> to snuff, and I don't know if you could was the, the nanny who used to work at my so my mom's nanny. Yeah. When so when I was small, she must have been well into her sixties, and I was a little kid. She had this little black container with a yellow lid. Yes, I know exactly. And uh, you yeah. know, for most South my African, bobbers, my yeah. bobbers housekeeper did yeah, the same. Yeah. <laughs> so then nanny used to have it. Her name was Ariana. I always remember asking my mom, "What's that?" And so it was snuff. And a lot of people. Snuff. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people. Didn't realize, I uh, don't think, you know, how bad it was. It's just like smoking, but yeah. making through your nose, yeah. Incredible. They still sell it. They yeah, still yeah, sell sure. it. Black tub with the Yeah, but lid. now it's become, you must see these ones that come from England, how fancy are oh, like a more upper market uh, um, snuff. Yeah. Um, Einstein says, I get ulcers on the tongue. What causes it? Well, if okay. you're not drinking and you're not smoking. No, well, it can, there are millions of things um, that can cause, well, millions, but quite a few things. Stress, right? Stress can cause, and low immune system. Diabetes, viruses, um, viruses and bacteria and fungi. Um, often when you have ulcers on your tongue that are non-healing, we will take a biopsy or take a swab and send it to the laboratory and see what's causing it. Um, probably the most common one is called an aphthous ulcer, which we don't really know um, what causes it, but it often comes in people who are stressed or have low immunity and they're extremely, extremely painful and it's basically a deficiency in that um, area or the, um, I can't find, remember the word I'm looking for but uh, where you have your normal taste buds a normal lining of your tongue you have an alteration in um, in your barrier and it's almost like a hole or an excavation in the tongue exposure of the underlying tissues in the tongue, and that's why it can be very, very painful, and especially if it's an area where you're playing with your tongue in your teeth or in your mouth, and it keeps on getting irritated, um, they sometimes don't heal. So is it normal to have a certain kind of coating on your tongue, or should you never have a coating on your tongue? So some people will have more than others. So when you were asking me earlier about the black tongues and the hairy tongues... Yeah, we haven't even spoken about yeah, your tongue. tongue. Your, so what is the black or the hairy tongue is often can come from taking a, an antibiotic or certain medications or even uh, acid reflux or not brushing your tongue. Probably your tongue produces millions of cells every day and those usually shed themselves with your food or when you brush your tongue with your toothbrush, those shed. So if your taste buds or your papillae on your tongues grow very, very long, they can become dark and discolored um, because they don't shed properly, usually with the mouthwash or brushing the tongue or stopping the drug or the medicine that's causing that, um, your black or hairy tongue will go away. How so, common is it? Uh, not so common, but it's. Um, I don't see a lot. Maybe because people Google it and and they just start brushing their tongues or teeth. Very important to brush your tongue to get all those dead cells off. So it is quite common, but um, not dangerous at all. No. I want to talk. I want to give a little bit of time before we wrap up mm. to 
how we clean and look after our tongues. Okay. Um, so let's just set that aside, okay. but that is going to be coming up. Some other, some other things that can go wrong with our tongues. Um, bright red tongue. Does that okay, indicate so, anything? So yeah, so, um, something called a, a glossitis. Yes. Um, which is an inflammation of the tongue sometimes. Sounds very tongue. glamorous. Yeah. You I've know, got glossitis. Yeah. It does sound quite, quite a nice word. Yeah. Um, glossitis can be again from virus bacteria and often can be post viral. So, um, children will, or adults will have a viral infection when the virus is, um, left them. They will get a bright red tongue. Most commonly, the glossitis or the inflammation infection of the mouth happen in people who are immunocompromised. So, cancer patients, diabetics, patients who are in, yeah, so in chemotherapy or um, low immune systems. So, maybe if they have autoimmune disease and taking immune suppressants and people with um, HIV that's untreated, low immune system. All the good bacteria moves out your mouth and you get these horrible squatters who come and live in your mouth, bad bacteria, different viruses like herpes, uh, fungus like candida, and this causes uh, stomatitis, which is a inflammation of the mouth, or glossitis, which is infection of the tongue, and that's usually bacteria or pathogens that are not meant to be there that are living in your mouth. Usually with return of the normal immune system or the return of good um, de- oral hygiene, brushing your teeth twice a day, using a mouthwash, flossing, brushing your tongue, you can return the normal status of your tongue. Sometimes you will need though, an antiviral or an antifungal to get rid of those um, fungal or bacteria or viruses. When we brush our tongues, yeah. should we be brushing with a hard brush or a soft brush? I don't think it makes a difference as long as Whatever it's... Whatever we brush long, our teeth yeah, with. I think, yeah, I think as long as it's not sore. If it's painful, it's probably not good. And um, in and don't go far too far back because then you're going to gag. Yes, that gag reflex. Yes, that's in the posterior third of your tongue, that fixed part of your tongue. So we shouldn't worry that's about cleaning that part of no, our tongue. No, you don't need to worry about cleaning that part of your tongue. That's in the gag reflex is an important reflex that uh, the tongue basically you chew the your food with your teeth, it matches mashes it up. Then the tongue pushes against your palate to form something called a bolus, and that bolus of food when it hits the the your soft palate or touches the posterior third of your tongue, it initiates that gag reflex, and that moves that bolus of food from your tongue into your oropharynx and down into your esophagus. So it's a very important part of um, swallowing gag reflex. And yet there I was thinking the gag reflex was exactly the opposite. No, it's a very important thing. It's a safety thing. Also uh, from a choking thing that if there's something there that's not meant to be there that you'll um, cough it up or vomit it up. Yeah. Chantal wants to know about a burning feeling on her tongue. So, bur- Thanks, Chantal. Yeah, a lot of people get uh, burning feelings on their tongue. Very, very common in people with acid reflux. Um, certain medications can do it as well, but most commonly um, acid reflux. Um, when you're sleeping, it goes up the back of your throat. You don't really feel it in your chest or your esophagus where you would normally feel reflux, and it can burn your vocal cords. So you wake up with a hoarse voice, a lot of mucus in your throat, and it can cause um, burning on your tongue as well. So would that be the same as when you eat pineapple? Very similar, yeah. And very similar. Like, but it only gets sensitive in one place. It's, it's a very It depends where thing. you have the concentration of your taste buds, yeah. yeah. Different people will be in different places. Okay, smooth tongue. Smooth tongue. Is that a problem? It's not usually a problem as long as you are still tasting okay. You still will have taste buds on your tongue, but some people will have... 
in certain diseases, death of their taste buds, and that can cause a smooth tongue. Your tongue's meant to be smooth underneath and on the sides, but not on the top. Yeah. But if you do have death of your taste buds, you can get that, certain autoimmune diseases. But as long as you're still tasting the smooth tongue, it's fine. Okay. And, um, all right, white, white sores. So it depends. That are not ulcers. Yes. Yeah, so, so um, as we said, an ulcer is a deficiency in the integrity of the lining of the tongue. Yeah. White sores on the tongue um, most commonly are thrush. And second most common is an ulcer or or herpes, yeah. and that's what you're showing me now. Looks like a herpes, <laughs> a herpes ulcer yes. on, on your tongue. Very, very painful. Is a herpes ulcer and a canker sore the same? Similar, sort of yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, on very, very painful. Um, if it, as I said, any tongue sore that. And I was showing a picture. I was not showing you my tongue. tongue. Yeah, it's not Kathy's tongue. <laughs> it's something saying. that you googled. Um, very, very important that if it's most ulcers will go away by themselves. If you have a non-healing ulcer, it should always be biopsied or checked out. Okay. If there's any one takeaway from the show, that with your tongue, any ulcer that is not healing, or painful, not healing, should be biopsied. Um, the You can get different conditions, one called lichen planus. You can get submucosal fibrosis, which are also white streaks in your tongue or your mouth, also should always be um, checked out. And uh, biopsy, always want to make sure that there's no malignancy or cancer in your mouth. Any growths, anything. That's yeah, because they often don't even present with growths. They present with small little holes or just um, a change in color. And uh, not to freak anyone out now, but if it's a significant amount of time and it's not healing or not getting better, you should have it checked out. Good advice. Tell us about how do we look after our tongue so generally. T- so, yeah, so tongue important um, most important thing for oral hygiene is looking after your teeth because if you don't look after your teeth, they're going to become a source of infection of bad bacteria and um, for all nasty things to hide in. So if your teeth are good and clean, then that's the first step. So brushing and flossing and mouthwash and very important to brush your tongue. So very similar, the same oral hygiene that you would use for um, teeth care is the same that you would use for the tongue. So brushing your teeth twice a day, flossing, mouthwash, and also brushing your tongue is very, very important. How important is it to gargle um, with, if you have mouthwash? Because that seems to get to the back of your throat. It does get to the back of your throat. I've never thought about that before. If you don't have sores in the back of your tongue, I don't think you really need to goggle. But if you need to get to the back of your tongue, then you should goggle. And is it better to use a mouthwash like Listerine, or is it better to use salt water? Um, salt water is absolutely fine. Um, but and it depends. Some mouthwashes are quite harsh. Actually, they've got a lot of alcohol in them, so they will sterilise what's in the mouth, even the good bacteria that you want over there. So different people. Some people will react fine to the mouthwash with alcohol, but often the kids' mouthwash have different um, agents in them to deal with the bad bacteria that's not alcohol, because the alcohol can be quite harsh and burn. I mean, I know, but you also said that alcohol. Is linked. Yeah, yeah, alcohol to linked cancer. to cancer. So that. So we should not be using mouthwash <laughs> so, with so it's, alcohol. It's, it's, right? it's not the rinsing with the alcohol in the mouth. It's the drinking of alcohol. Oh, often drinking, the drinking okay. of alcohol can cause a lot of no, reflux and irritation in the esophagus and the stomach, and that will come up and irritate the okay, throat the and the okay. lining. So in the form of alcohol, as in drinking alcohol, not as in rinsing with alcohol. Yeah. Okay. So we. So if you wanted to rinse with it's alcohol, it's fine to you rinse with rinse. alcohol. But <laughs> if it, you know, if you can tolerate, I'm sure some mouthwashes you've probably used before. They well, they really, really Very burn. Very strong. Really, really burn. I use my kids' um, 
my kids' mouthwash. Okay. Yeah, because it doesn't burn. It tastes quite nice, actually. <laughs> All right, Dr. Dean Gerson, thank you very, very much. And uh, I want to say thank you to you for joining thank us this you. week. Thank you. a pleasure. For the Discam Medical Monday, that's uh, Dr. Dean Gerson, ENT in private practice. I'm Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for joining me. God bless. Catch you next week. Bye.